episode 76, Fluency Part 2, featuring Steven Groner. Hello, everyone. We're back with another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb. And I'm Maria. And here's our podcast. For the rockin' SLP. So I'm sitting in this super duper comfy chair yeah. and there is definitely no core engagement no. and I'm feeling slumped over. I hate this chair. Yep. I want it out of my house. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to sit up, mm-hmm. engage my core. Good. So we can talk about fluency. Mm-hmm. Yes. So this is part two of a three part series. Yes. And we have a great interview with an expert in the field, mm-hmm. Stephen Groner. But before we go into what you should do with your clients with mm-hmm. fluency disorders, we want to talk about goals to write, right? Oh, a real! I did not prepare for fluency. I figured we were doing that. I was going to do just a random. Oh well, I wrote a goal. So yeah, like I have prepared. a goal, but I'm not. I'm not going to. It's not fluency. Okay, I wrote a fluency goal. All right, so, good. Let's hear it. So I might as well go first. Yeah. So client will use easy phonatory onset for to produce five to six word sentences with visual supports. Because I'm assuming, you know, if you're at the phrase, longer phrase level or sentence level, there still needs some kind of visual support to, mm-hmm. you know, easy onset, keep the phonation going. I don't know if that's like the exact correct term, but it's where you want to keep them their vocal folds continuously vibrating, right? Right. Yes. So I was even thinking of um, like Battleship. Do you have someone on A6? A phrase like that, you know, right. to keep them going. And I really like Battleship. It's a definitely a throwback to the 90s. We're showing our age here. Mm-hmm. But um, – I think it's great because you have that consistent, do you have someone on blank? Then the person responds. It's a great time for them to relax, engage in the diaphragmatic breathing, use the core support. For example, don't have a chair like this, like a lounge chair that I'm sitting on. And then it gives you to you know, say, that's a hit, that's a miss, and then to reverse it. The client said, that's a hit, that's a miss. I like games where there's a consistent pattern of uh, responding and answering and keeping the phrase the same so you could really target the strategy that you want the client to use if they're at that stage of therapy, of course. Yes. So that's a good goal, I think. That's a goal that I would use, and that's something I have personally done before, and mm-hmm. it went well. Kids like right. Battleship. They like yeah. blowing you up. Yep. That's true. They like knowing that they sunk your ship. Mm-hmm. And then you can work on irregular past tense, too. I love that. I love, okay, so what you would see is some disfluencies. What you would do is use this game as a vehicle of just something to talk about, which right. is what I love about speech and like creating goals. Yes. Is that like, I want to make a goal that is going to target multiple things. Right. Right. So we might as well work on a skill necessary, which like your skill could be like, what if this person, uh, you know, they have issues with syntax. So you're going right. to work on formulating a question Correct. while simultaneously doing like that stretched syllable Right. Type of. And then it's like you need a script if you're going to do that type of practice. And that's the script. It's fun because then obviously everything 
is the same. Do you have someone yeah. on? And then you change with the B12. Oh, that's a hit. That's mm-hmm. a miss. And then the reasoning. Oh, okay, they have no one on the line of A. So I'm not going to ask A again. <laughs> right. You know? And sometimes that's a little hard for our clients, depending on their age and mm-hmm. level. So I think it's a great activity. And I like that uh, you're keeping the sentence consistent so you could really focus on the strategy. Right. Decrease that, that what is it, the mental load. Yeah. Right. What do I have to say now? You know, have mm-hmm. it written for them. That will be the visual support. Yeah. So what's your goal about? So my goal is going to be mm-hmm. that you, you tell me. Deborah will answer comprehension questions in parentheses, main idea, de- main idea, detail, inference and prediction about a given text read aloud to the student Given one visual cue, scoring 80% accuracy as measured by SLP data collected over three consecutive sessions quarterly. Whoa. So it's really just they're going to answer a variety of WH questions about something that was read to them. Now I'm going to choose an unconventional therapy approach. Like, so obviously when you hear this, you think like, oh, I'm going to use a reading comprehension article that and then ask them a bunch of questions, right? Yeah. Is it going to be about like turtles or something? Like it that? might be about turtles. Yeah. I don't know why. The most turtles, common theme. Yeah. Yes. It could be about turtles. It could be yeah, a fiction turtles. or nonfiction text about turtles. You can okay. ask them who's the turtle, where's the turtle, how'd they get there? Why yes. are they there? What's their motivation? What's the main idea? Or um, let's say that the only time in which this individual fits into your schedule is math. Okay. So, um... And maybe you're pulling, you can pull for math or maybe you're pushing into math, but you still need to like work on math, right? We can ask a variety of WH questions regarding math. Um, You can ask procedural questions or you can uh, create the whole thing about a word problem. So what I did this week was I created simple word problems like Maria had 12 cookies and Deborah ate six cookies. How How many cookies? How could you do that to all my cookies? (laughs) I only ate half. You had the same amount as me. Don't be greedy. Wow, you are correct about that. So um, I have like the unicorn popper guy. Yes. Um, So the ball is in his mouth and you squeeze the belly. So I set up four numbers on um, the clamp clips standing up. They, I read mm-hmm. them a short story, which was actually a word problem. Uh, and they had to answer how many cookies were left. So it was specifically how questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they would have to answer in a complete sentence. So Maria has six cookies left. And then recalling that detail would be Maria and the cookies. Right. right? So um, and then they got to shoot down their answer. Cool. So we're targeting a variety of goals. It was very easy. All I had to purchase in this scenario was that popper guy, which I use frequently yeah. for other out, other activities. Yeah. Um, or you could just answer hey, a Mike. reading comprehension question. Mike, Hold on a second. We're talking about reading comprehension. I was just wondering what you want to eat for lunch and dinner and breakfast this week. Aww. I'm a lucky gal. Today I came home and Mike was making me fresh squeezed orange juice. Aww. Yeah. Mike, but did you know she ate half of my cookies? You know, what is up with that? She's Just rough. kidding. She's rough. Just I'm kidding. like, <laughs> Oliver's barking. I grabbed him. He cried. Um, okay. Yeah, Mike is great. I would like some English muffins and eggs. Thanks, honey. And she likes pickles, too, Mike. Oh, pickles. That's an obvious answer. Yeah, you can get cheese. Yeah. Sure. She thanks. likes brie. <laughs> Makes her romantic. 
Yeah, I'm romantic because I like Brie. That's for the future episodes. Spo- I know. I was just going to say, spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. We have a cheese-loaded interview coming but up in the future. Uh, SLPs wanted cheese. Episodes. That wasn't my favorite cheese. I just chose it by default because my favorite cheese was not supplied. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, more on that later. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Um, so I think that's a great way to incorporate math and reading comprehension and popping things and hand-eye coordination. Yeah, it's motivating. All yeah, hand-eye coordination. All while promoting stealing people's cookies yeah just kidding yes well i think that it promotes sharing yes which is caring (laughs) is what i've heard um correct so you know great neither it's neither here nor there gotcha Gotcha. (laughs) um so what would you see you would see an individual who is struggling to recall details that are presented auditorily Mm -hmm. you would see an individual who is struggling to answer a variety of interrogatives perhaps like higher language learning concepts such as like why and how questions as opposed to what questions Mm -hmm. um and then you would see somebody who has no other choice but to be taken from math which is (laughs) important and you need to do math still um so what would you do you would incorporate math into speech therapy by utilizing quantitative concepts i love that and then that's great you would write that they answered how many questions scoring 70 percent accuracy given two repetitions nice and yeah. maybe visual supports do they have the word problem written in front of them i didn't do that this okay. week no i only read it to them but i la- i give them a whiteboard and they had to use the strategy of like so if i said if I said six cookies, six pizzas, they had to draw six dots. Mm. They had to like take away. They had to cross off the amount. Right. They had to show their work because they get penalized on their exams if they don't show their work. Right. Yes. So Math that's stuff what like I did. That. Yeah. I think that's so great of you. So it's relating to their classwork and it's also targeting their goals. So it is possible, people. It is possible. <laughs> you heard it here first. Cheers. Cheers. We didn't really mention, but uh, we're drinking Butternut, butternut, mm-hmm. what is it? Butternut, a Pinot Noir. It's mm-hmm. a California wine. Yeah. And in our interview, Deb drinks wine as well. So this, you know. You also, it's rebuttal. So this is a butter wine episode. Great. Well, let's pause for a brief commercial break. This episode is brought to you by the Informed SLP. Great clinicians need great scientific research to inform their practice, but how can we know the research with so many articles and so little time? The Informed SLP makes it easy. Each month, their team of scientists and clinicians find the research for you. They explain it without the jargon, without the burden, just for SLPs, so you could spend less time reading and more time treating. Visit theinformedslp.com and enter coupon code wine and cheese for 20% off. Check out the show notes for more information. This episode is brought to you by Therapy Travelers and Flavia is going to share three great reasons to work for Therapy Travelers. All right. So one amazing reason is the company culture. Um, You won't find that working for any other agency company that really truly cares about um, their therapists and what they're doing because we want to change kiddos' lives. Choose are benefits. A lot of people do not get wonderful benefits when they're working for agencies and they're unaware that they actually can get those. So 401k, we match up to 4% starting day one. We have a wonderful EAP program, which is all mental health based and that's completely in the company. 
medical dental vision we do cover 75 percent of your premium you get pto you get paid holidays you get cu and reimbursement sick time a lot of those things you do not get when you're working for an agency and the last thing is something called a relationship manager which is a person that's there to be your advocate and to help you when you're on assignment we don't just place you somewhere and forget about you we have someone that's there to check on you to be your main point of contact. They're also the main point of contact to the school district if you have any issues. So it's just a really unique agency to work for. Um, and we love everybody that works with us. We're a big, happy family. Great, thank you. Yeah, I'm inspired. Thanks. <laughs> and now our interview with Deb and Steven Groner. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of SLP's Wine and Cheese. I'm Deb, and today I'm joined with SLP Steven Groner. Say hi, Steven. What is up? What's going on? Not much. I'm super excited that you are here with your expertise to talk all about fluency and fluency disorders. Um, before we get to that, let's talk about what we're having to drink tonight. Nice. So, yeah. I decided to deviate from the regular routine and I have Bailey's on the rocks in a champagne glass because I was just feeling like that was the mood I was in. That sounds like the best thing for tonight right now. Um, Chocolate milk. Yeah, exactly. Just with a little, you know, spice to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am here just with water um, because... Nice. I'm an old dad, but <laughs> last time I had gin, um, so I guess so I'm you can spice it up too. You. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I just uh, I was feeling like I didn't want cheese too, so I was like, let me get something a little dairy. So it's like my Bailey's go. is my mix and match. I like yeah, that. and we like to be cognitively flexible here at SLP's Wine and Cheese. Right, so. you need to stretch that, you know, do some, uh, you know generative naming, you know, getting, uh, getting That's some right. Yeah. I don't like anything there. like too rigid. So yeah. Yeah. Speaking of stuttering therapy should not be too rigid. I don't think. Right. <laughs> no, you have to be really flexible to make sure that you get as much good done as you can, because it's tough to, to treat. And that's coming from me as someone who stutters. So uh, yes, we have to, we have to be light and quick on our feet and yet also have a lot at hand that we can give and just try to make it all work. Sounds good. So in the last episode, uh, you sat down with Maria and you talked a bunch about assessment. Um, and today yeah. we're going to focus primarily on treatment. Treatment. Woo! Before we get into that, though, I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, what should we know before we go? Lots of times people panic when they hear fluency, cluttering, stuttering. I know. It's like, oh, my gosh, my heart's going to stop. I feel tight. Things are, you know. Yeah. Um, They're freaking closing out. Closing in. I know. I know. And that's what's it's, – it's tough because I don't think that it should be like that because, really, there, there are so many ways and so many techniques that we can use to help people who stutter. Yes, there are some things that work best only at a very young age, or, you know, maybe we can only um, hope to resolve stuttering, you know, 
below the age of seven. But there, there are so many things that we can, that we can, that we can always do at, you know, any age, as long as our client wants help, um, to help them to speak either more fluently, um, easily, or happily. So I think what I always keep in mind is that, uh, that this will be a long haul. Um, fluency treatment, unless it's with very, very young kids and they just kind of sealing out quickly and they're great and they're done and it's bye-bye, it tends to be a longer road. So just knowing, hey, I, I have time here. Like, I don't have to cure them in one session. Like, we have time. Wow, that's kind of a load off. Um, and knowing that... Um, well, once you once you learn and know a lot of techniques, then you have a lot of tools in your tool bag that you can pull out. Um, and so, knowing that there's a lot that you can fall back on um, that that might help, or that could help more, or that you could try here, or that you could hold off and wait until then, um, knowing that there's a lot to kind of choose from really helps me as well. Um, and then to just know, like even just to sit in the same room with someone who stutters and say the word stuttering and not freak out and talk about it like it's, you know, just, just, just like it's, you know, any other hard thing like a scraped knee or an F on a test, just to sit there with them in that space, in that air, say the word stuttering look at them in the eye and say, I am not scared of it. You know, yes, right. it can be a scary thing, but I am not scared of it. I'm not scared of you. Like we don't have to be scared here and we can work to, to figure something out that can help you. I think is all that you really have to have when you uh, walk into the therapy room. And you also really can only do that because everything, especially with fluency from my perspective is highly individualized and yes. you are not a psychic regardless no. of all of the training. No. So there, you have no idea how this person feels, how they're going to present. What they need, what they want yeah. most, which way to, you know, that they want to go, what, you know, what they're going to latch, latch onto. Yeah. You, you have no way of knowing. So don't, so don't beat yourself up if you don't. Yeah. And I think that the, the best thing that you can do is just tell yourself is, I'm just going to go in there and be there for that person. Exactly. And if anything, yeah. I'm just going to, for the first couple sessions, and you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to allow this not. person to speak freely to me without me stepping in and trying to correct them or trying yeah. to label their speech or yeah. anything. Just yeah. how do they want to be? Where? How do they feel comfortable? Exactly. What do they want to talk about? Yeah. That's it. And then after a little bit, then I'll be like, okay, so here's what I'm noticing. Do you want me to tell you maybe um, about this strategy I can give you so that if you're feeling like you're having a hard time, you can get yourself out with this? Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's, that's what we're there for. We are there to make them feel safe, make them feel whole, and then say, look, I have all of this knowledge. What what do you want to use um, and then just work with them as they as they find out well what is what is the way that i am going to speak from here on out or just 
trying to get them more to a place where they can make their thoughts known as 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 easily as they can um and i uh, i would never correct you for saying that you are going to sit there and be present for them and let them t- just talk which can be so hard for those of us who stutter um uh, i think that's a great way to start for the for the first few uh for the first few sessions so right. i i am right there with you and i feel like no matter who you're with as long as you enter with that mindset you can't be doing anything you can't, wrong exactly you can't mess things up you know Mm-mm. Yeah. I did have somebody come supervise me once for, and I had a, a third grader who, um, he had an acquired stutter. It didn't start until a little bit later. He, okay. um, was hit by a car Okay, and then uh, yeah. he ended up having um, a stutter after in his recovery. Yeah. Um, but this kid loved to talk to me when he came to speech, he was talking, talking, talking. And yeah, he was highly disfluent, but I just sat there and I listened to him. And then we would do our strategies like with our pictured actions. Like that's how we, we would describe the pictured actions using the strategies. Nice. But then I had a supervisor come observe me and she was like, no, it's just too severe. You have to stop him, make him stop. And even though Ugh. I knew that person was my supervisor, I always had faith in myself and I'm like, no one in their whole life should ever be told, no, stop. That's stop talking. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah, no way. <laughs> no. no. So don't, don't believe things just because somebody says it to you. That would probably be my number one advice to anyone. <laughs> like, that's so good. If, that You're was right. you. if somebody yeah. was like, no, that's awful. And it was the first time that day you actually got to speak at length. And like someone cut you off, that would that would really be that hurtful. would be terrible. Yeah. So keep that in mind as you listen to all the things that I'm about to tell you. So mm-hmm. take it with a grain of salt. So then, yeah, let's get into that. Um, we know our intention, and our intention when we're going in is just to make this person the most successful and comfortable communicator possible, and being able to represent themselves and their voice and their ideas. Um, so yeah, let's start from the youngest group possible. Now you already talked about what's, how young is too young. Right. Yeah. So we established that. And now we have a preschooler who does require therapy. Where do we begin? Yeah. Great. So say, say, you know, say that they're four, uh, they come in, they've been, you know, stuttering for a year and a half. Um, and you're going to start some therapy. What do you do? So the first two things that I teach, um, I, I don't teach to the kid at all. Uh, I teach it to their parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the first one is the, uh, the slowed down speech technique for parents where um, they slow down their speech to about 75% or they can add more. So that sort of sounds like this, or you can add more pauses in and hold them for just a beat more. Mm-hmm. This is just a more... lesson in mindfulness. Well, right, exactly. <laughs> um, or they can just slow and stretch out their their speech at the very start of a sentence, which tends to be where those of us who stutter have the most trouble 
So that can sort of model for us what a smoother way of uh, speaking is. And then fourth and finally, they can reflect their child's speech back to them at a slower uh, pace. So their kid says, hey, mom, uh, I was, you know, I was at school and we learned about uh, dragons and it was so fun. And there was a knight and he slayed and da 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 And then they say, oh, so you were at school and you learned about dragons and there was a knight that slayed one. So just there are a lot of ways that you can that, that you can start to build slower speech into the parent speech. And all that that does is help model for the child um, what a slower, smoother pace of speech is like and adds more time in for that child to be able to speak and kind of um, turning down that, that speed can help them to be more fluent. So that's always mm-hmm. the first one that I do. Um, then uh, I teach parents how to reduce the demands that they put on their um, mm-hmm. child. So, uh, of course, we we all know these, but um, letting their child take the lead in what gets talked about or what or what gets played with, um, n- not finishing their sentences for them, um, making more comments instead of kind of peppering them with questions and if you if they if they if and when they do ask questions making them closed questions um that that can be answered with either a yes no or a very um simple phrase instead of kind of a very big how do you wash your hands exactly or (laughs) you know how was school well that's you know hard well it was good but we also uh, you know did you have fun at school today Yes, mom. That just kind of takes a lot of the tension out of the um, out of the con- out of the conversation, um, and really, it just comes down to um, kind of sh- showing parents how to make everything that their child says to them feel like the most Im- the most important thing in the whole wide world to them in that moment. How do you show um, children that that what they say has weight and that they have time to say it? So even just small tweaks like that have been shown to to greatly increase fluency. So those are always the first two things that I do. Um, then, because I remember learning that stuttering. Obviously, it's not an anxiety disorder, but it is something made not at the start. Exactly. So not at the start, but after years and years of it being hard to say your name or hard Mm -hmm. to raise your hand in class or hard to, you know, order food. Yes, that that is so stressful. uh, And so that can make it so much worse. But it's not the cause. It's not the it's not the root cause. We we're still not sure what the cause is. And it's just made so much more worse by worrying. Yes. Yes. Alleviating the tension and removing those demands and slowing things down can make a lot more space for fluent speech and that's that's what we want for kids who are beneath the age of seven like Mm -hmm. we know that at that young age their their brains are still plastic enough that we can help them to resolve their stuttering and they can go on and speak 
fluently for the rest of their lives. So that, that is a top goal. I mean, that's what we, that's what, that's what we would like at, at that age. Um, so the, the third thing that I teach uh, preschool children uh, is called syllable time speech or beat speech. Um, and what it is, is the breaking up of words into their syllables with a brief pause after each one but still at a pretty normal pace and with pretty normal inflection. So mm-hmm. uh, I ha- hold on one second. So yeah. I love that. Um, and this sounds like so many people always write to me. How do you do things in group therapy with people with different goals? This oh my gosh. Like this is like perfect. Yeah. With fluency, but then anybody with a phonological issue. Yeah. You're segmenting words right now. It's awesome, right? So you're, you're increasing multi-goal awareness. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, and that that is so great. And I think that this is a technique that is newer. Um, it really, uh, it's there's a great paper for the for the preschool population. It's Travskovsky. 2011. So it's like, it's a pretty new treatment that, Mm -hmm. that, that, that we don't all know about. But what that beat does is simply help to induce fluent speech um, with that deep kind of cadence. And so Mm -hmm. if you can get a a preschool child to practice that for about five minutes a day, um, I'm sorry, for, for uh, about five minutes, five-ish times per day, which sounds like a lot. So, you know, 25 minutes a day for nine to 12 months, it's been found to reduce stuttering yeah. by up to 96%. So, um, you know, it's, is it hard to do five sessions of, of five minutes of syllable time speech each day? Yeah, sure. But it's, that has been found to help to um, kind of resolve stuttering in that very young population. So I like that one as well. Um, that sounds good. I mean, and also like to make it more functional, like, or easier to get done, just came to mind, like, what if you had sort of like poems or mantras that you said at different transitions throughout the day? Perfect. Yeah. Like, I'm getting, re- Build I'm it getting into your day. ready. My socks to- on. Yeah, exactly. We First, go. we do socks, then we do shoes, and yeah. then we do our jackets. Yeah, exactly. Right. Or, now it's lunchtime. Where's my lunchbox? Exactly. Or, you know, Whenever you read books with your kids, which should be all day long, right? Or, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's like, you know, just at the end of the day, just, just, just read one or, you know, have them um, look at pictures and describe what they're seeing using syllable time speech. So mm-hmm. um, there, there, there are ways to work it in and it's been found to help. So, yeah. I, so uh, narrate your routine or talk about poems or something like that. Exactly. Or, or, yeah. Yeah. And you guys can, anyone can come up with that. That's a great strategy. I'm going to start yeah. using with everybody yeah. so that's, who doesn't stutter. <laughs> <laughs> so that, I mean, so that's huge. And then 
Fourth and finally, um, there is the there is the Lidcomb program, which you have to be trained in to call it by that name, or um, if you're not trained in it, you can call it the the response can contingencies approach mm-hmm. um, and what it is basically is you give verbal feed feedback um, to children about their speech now um, there are a few different ways that and there are a few different kinds of feedback that you can give um, so you give feedback either for fluent speech or for disfluent speech and you should you should make you should you should give feedback on fluent speech five times before you give feedback on disfluent speech so most of the feedback that the child should be getting verbally should should be about their fluent speech not about their disfluent speech i really Um, like that explanation um that's right i feel like um on this show most often i'm always saying how i don't like when people rate individual speech as bumpy or smooth or thumbs up and thumbs down yeah and i'm not saying i don't ever point out bumpiness but i more so try not to because i just feel like often people say I'm too loud and I speak too fast and too much and I am 31 and it hurts. And you hate feelings. hearing that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one, no you one know. likes to be told that their speech is wrong or, right. or bad. I mean, sometimes it can help to show a child kind of how they sound. So that discrimination it, task. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just to say, oh, stop, that was bad. Like Mm -hmm. no one wants to hear that about their speech. So that's huge. Like any, so you should, you should praise or, uh, or acknowledge or ask the child to self rate, um, when their speech was fluent. So you can say, oh man, that, that was so smooth. Wow. Or you can, you can say, Hey, was that smooth? Or you can just say, night, or you can say, mm, no bumps there, you know, something like that. Um, and you should give five of those kinds of responses before you pivot and, um, and either ask a child, you know, was that bumpy? And they can say yes or no. Um, or, um, you can you you can ask them to try it again smoothly, uh, and that and but but really you should do that only once for every five times that you praise mm-hmm. or point out um, fluent speech. I think that's key, um, and that that too has has been found to help young preschool children to resolve their stuttering. So there. There can be some camps who either love Lidcom and that's all, and that's all that they do, or they hate Lidcom and they, uh, you know, they would never tell a child to re to re-say what they just said smoothly. Um, but to the best of the, you know, evidence, it it's been found to help children. So why why would you not have it as mm-hmm. part of your, you know, quiver that that 
that you could draw from. Well, I think the five to, to one thing in general is just great. It's just, yeah. that's a, just a nice thing to keep in your own like clinician toolbox in your brain. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, that's actually been found, I think even for like those of us adults, like when we're at, when we're at work, I think, I think that that same ratio of feedback has been found to be the best. So like, it's, it's best if our like boss gives us five compliments on our work before they point out one place where we could or could or uh, should improve. So mm-hmm. there's, there's like something there about the fact that we have to hear five good things before we can take in one thing that we could improve or, you know, maybe that's not the best. Because humans are very sensitive. Yes. Oh my goodness. We have very soft skin. Try as we might to have thick ones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So let's say you have a new client that just started on your caseload. They're in third grade and they have a moderate to severe stutter that they already came to you with. What can you do? Well, there is so much that you can do. And uh, it's gonna it's gonna come down to their age and their level of maturity mm-hmm. as to what you can do because um, school age is sort of that kind of gray age where you can use some more advanced techniques for some kids and then for you know other kids um, you have to keep things nice and simple and that there can be a lot of variation um based on age yes you know um but but um also just kind of based on on how much that they know about their speech um and how hard that they want to work on it and how much they care about it which i know can be tough uh in the uh in the school age in the school age pop population um so of course the first thing that i do is teach them about the speech mechanism and how we make speech and then that we can play with our speech. Um, so I have them play this game where we, where, we, where we go back and forth saying things, but we have a spinner that uh, has fast, slow, quiet, loud, high, low, smooth, and bumpy. And we spin and whatever it lands on, that's how we have to say whatever we're going to say next. So we, oh, we can say, I oh, like yeah. That. You know, I can speak fast, or I can speak slow, or, or I can speak quiet, or I can speak loud, or I can speak high, or I, you know, or low, or I can speak smooth, or bump. It just like shows them that that they can change and kind of play with how their speech comes out, um, and that that's sort of a great way to set the stage for for what all you might teach next. Um, I really like that. It's always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because also, so here we go. Once again, you just provided two ideas that no clinician is starting off a therapy session with, I'm going to fix you. Let's get to work. No. You're you're first, you're demonstrating. You probably have visuals of the mechanism and examples Uh, of how you produce that. Yeah. And they like label. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And now you're, then you're just playing a game. So like, what is this? Maybe four weeks two, three weeks later. I don't know how much long later, but like, yeah. then three weeks. Three now weeks, let's yeah. talk about, yeah, I don't know. And I like your spinner game. And I'm wondering, do you ever do it with like, um, emotions or paralinguistic features of language? Like I can say it mad and I, or I can say it scared or that is a, you know what? I, I should say it like a question in. that 
that that would be that's that's actually great and i am now gonna add that to my good yeah that'd be fun i like 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 if you just make them all like a question and things that aren't questions because they'll be like what (laughs) (laughs) exactly i mean that and that's that's fun right and so that so that does two things it shows them that speech can be fun but also shows them that they can change how their speech gets gets made like their their brains can tell their speech to come out a different way Mm -hmm. which is basically what you have to do in um stuttering therapy so yeah, I that 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 kills two birds with. Yeah, one. that sounds fun. And then once again, you're not going in there, stopping anyone, rating anybody. Ooh. You already have a plan for your first three weeks. There. Exactly right, and that that's nice because then you get to learn them. You know, that gives you three weeks to hear them talk, to laugh with them, to play with them, and that is gonna is going to help you learn more about how they talk and help them to trust you so that they'll actually talk about their stuttering and kind of what they want to do. So um, next actually is um, syllable time speech or beat speech has been found to help school age children up, uh, up to age 12 um, to to have more fluent speech, not quite at the same rate as, as pre, excuse me, as preschool uh, children. It's been found if they do it for five minutes, five times a day for 12 months, it can lower stuttering on like on average about 50, I think it's 54% or 57%. So not, not quite at the same rate as in younger children but uh their 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 brains are still plastic enough before the age uh, of 12 that that can help them so honestly i like to just start and end my sessions with that you know we'll do maybe a few minutes of it to kind of start and kind of warm up and then we'll do a few minutes to end um just just because it's been found um to help their speech be be more be more fluent even when they're not and that's this is key is that they are not meant to speak like this when they're out of the therapy room it's 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 not meant to be a new way of speaking it's sort of meant to be like speech practice right like you're increasing your mindfulness that you're able to control your speech exactly right Like choir practice like can you hit hit that high note with can you hold your breath can you do all these things exactly and it's been found to then help them be more fluent even when they don't use that technique which is what we want right um so i like to just start with that it's you know it's fun and it really does help someone who is extremely disfluent to be more fluent. I mean, it really helps to induce fluency and that can be fun too to see someone, you know, a kid who's eight or or nine and stutters, you know, pretty severely um, to say, hey, let's say your name and where you're from and the names of all of your siblings and they can say them for the first time. I mean, that, yeah. that they're like, that, what a trick. They it's like, wow, like that's them. cool. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's not meant to be a like new way of speech, but it, it is great speech practice and it's been found to help 
up to age 12. So I like to kind of pull that one out next and just kind of work that into our sessions. I love it. It just sounds also, I'm always an advocate for using poems in speech. I, I know you do. Yeah, do it. yeah, 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 like yeah, you, yeah. This is a modified version of what you're saying because I wasn't a disfluent child, but I am very like in tune with how I felt. And I, mm-hmm. and I, I would say like verbally, I blanked a lot and I don't know if it was like nervousness, but if somebody wanted me to say something, I'd be like, I don't know what you want from me. And I wouldn't uh, yeah. really know what, so I wouldn't be stuttering, but I wouldn't be like fluent or like really. Either. Yes. When I was Which is reader, odd because now you're, yeah. you're like one of the most ver- verbose um, SLPs on the gram. So that's I know, but I think it's because I started memorizing things and it made me more confident and I slowed it down and I liked poems and rhythm and beat and rhyme and things like that. Because as yeah. a reader, I was completely awful. Like I couldn't read anything without being so disfluent in front of my whole class. But I don't right. Think I Which is not fun at all. Trust me. I know what that feels like. Yeah. yeah. So that's um, how it helped me. So it's why I still do it with kids. <laughs> well, and that's, uh, I, I mean, really, like, that is great. It makes me think of the scene in the notebook, the notebook. which I've <laughs> seen more than once, where uh, What's-His-Face says, or his, like, dad What's says. What's-His-Face? Ryan um, Reynolds. Ryan, no, Ryan <laughs> Gosling. Oh no, Ryan Gosling. Oops. <laughs> Although they are both monks. Let's just be serious. About right, that. exactly. Anyhow, but yeah, you know, where his dad says that he had like a that he had a very bad stutter as a kid and that he made him read, you know, poetry and that helped, right? Because there's that rhythm. Now, I'm not saying that if you if you make your kids read poetry, that, right. that will help. I have not seen um, any research that that is the case. But if you make them read poems using syllable time speech, now that has been found to help. Right. Makes sense. Okay. So, so um, then do we have more for elementary or should, are we moving yes. on to the old guys? Okay. Yeah. So then, so when, now we sort of come to a crossroads. So um, as I'm sure that you know, there are sort of two camps when it comes to um, fluency treatment. So we have stuttering modification and fluency shaping techniques. And they are both similar, but they're both very different. And they are most different when it comes to what their goal is and how much that they should be used. So mm-hmm. fluency shaping, the goal is to do th- to speak in a certain way as to not stutter. And you should be doing those things at all times whenever you speak so that you won't stutter. Whereas stuttering, mo- stuttering modification, uh, the goal is not to not stutter, but to stutter more easily and not quite as badly so that you can keep your speech moving forward and get your thoughts out faster. And you are not meant to use those techniques unless you find yourself in a place of stuttering. So they're not meant to be used at at all times. Um, And honestly, both of them work. Like both of them help us to not stutter. Um, And that's, I think, a key point that I always kind of keep in mind it's like every single technique that you've heard of or that you've been taught has somewhere helped someone to not stutter right right but 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 every single technique does not always help 
um, everybody uh, to not stutter. And that's, um, and so that's, that's good to sort of keep in mind of like, wow, I can try all of these out and see what sticks, you know, and then we can, we can just go with that. So with young children, um, especially beneath the age of, I mean, 12, but even, I guess, so I would start fluency shaping tech techniques with children age nine, if they're like really, if they are, if they are mature and if they are really committed to um, wanting to speak more fluently and, and I, and I feel like that they can sort of handle it. Um, But before that, uh, I stick with stuttering modification techniques. And so those are things like, like cancellations where once you've st- 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 stuttered, you stop and you go back and you uh, say it more smoothly, having let go of, um, of any and all tension um, that was built up in that, in that place of articulation. So you let um, go of that sound that you were holding on to. Uh, well, so a, a cancellation is, is, uh, is at the end of a word that okay. you have stuttered on. So let's say that I say, my name is Steven. Steven. Okay. You go back and you say the whole word, you let go of tension and you say the, you say the whole word again, stretching out where that problem sound was. Then you can sort of move it up to a slide where when you're actually in the mama moment of stuttering um but before you've gotten to the end of the word you pause stop let let go of that tension and then stretch out that sound so that it comes out fluently and then you can move up to preparatory sets where as you're speaking you see a word coming up and you let go of that sound um in that case it was that w that wa and you stretch it out um and those are meant to be used only when you're stuttering and not at all times um you can also teach little lights bounces where you teach a a lighter way of stuttering so that it takes less time you get through it faster and you can move on faster. So, so that, that might k- k- kind of sound like this, where my thoughts and speech are actually k- k- coming out fast because my stuttering is so brief. So okay. it kind of helps you to have a very quick, fast, brief, light stutter, even though you're still s- stuttering, but it doesn't turn into a very long, very deep, very hard you know stutter um so then do so, you wait for these things to happen naturally and then you target it or do you use like target sentences and work on the tapping like something like that so honestly what i use um i use um client centered um stimuli we start off with their their name first name middle name last name where they were born um siblings um what what their birthday is you know but like we'll just do month and then date and then year and then we'll do like phrases which will be month date and year all at once or first and first and last name all at once 
um, because really that's what we have a hard time with. Someone, someone asks us what our name is and we can't say it, or someone asks us what our birthday is and we can't say it. So why not work on that in therapy instead of, you know, the cat jumped on the fence and had a right. nice talk with the sheep, you know? So um, anyhow, right I have things that are common problems. Exactly. And of course we start off short and small and then you just build up from there. Um, so, so that's what I use. So yes. Yeah, so I'll have them say all of those stimuli and then if, and when they break down. Okay. If, and when that's what is important. Okay. Exactly. So okay. if, and when they break down, then we, then we talk about, okay, so where did you get stuck? And what did that feel like? Can you, can you show me in your mouth? Can you, and then we, and then we work on them being able to sort of re say it with some kind of technique. Um, And I like to keep tabs on, on how much they like each technique as we learn them. And then I sort of kind of make a list of, oh, they like A and B, but not C and some of D, and then we kind of work on those. So you take an um, interest inventory in terms of yeah, fluency. fluency okay. technique. Yeah. Um, so that's, those are, a, oh, I didn't cover um, some other techniques, but I know that we're short on time, so we can always do them next time. Too. Yeah, we're going to have to put that in our part three. Um, mm, but yeah, this was so helpful. I love everything that you brought up. Um, I'm going to put into action some of these things that I feel are helpful to my clients. Yeah. Awesome. I'm going to add your stuff to my uh, okay. spinner game, saying it mad, saying it happy, saying it sad. Like That's, a question uh, too. We, I do yes, that a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Like a question. I love it. Okay, great. So um, before we head out, um, next time we're going to talk a little bit more about some more uh, fluency shaping and uh, stuttering modification, as well as how to apply this to um, adolescents and adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, but before we leave, do you have any like quotes or mantras or anything that you kind of like tell yourself to get through the day or something yeah. or when you were in school? Yeah, so um, something that I learned recently um, that has to do with prayer. So whether you, I don't know if, uh, if you talk to God or you talk to some kind of higher, uh, power, whatever, if you, if you talk to the, um, universe, but I tend to have hard days when it comes to my speech. And so I find myself, um, praying and I, and I was, uh, I was, I was taught pray in single words, just say one, you don't have to like say huge long prayers. So my, my two prayers are, thank you and help. So mm-hmm. if I, if I'm at a hard place in my day, I'll say, thank you, help. Thank you, help. Thank you, help. And that's it. And then I okay. like move on. So I'm grateful. And then I ask for help, but that's it. It's short and sweet. And it somehow, you know, keeps me on track and gets me to the end of the day with, uh, with my head still on my shoulders. So that's been, that's been huge for me. I love that. Thank you, help. Um, thank you, you, Stephen, and help me learn more about fluency (laughs) next time. (laughs) Next time, uh, you can check out Stephen on Instagram at slp.steven, and you are with a ph, yes, I am, uh, and en. Yes, thank you. There's so many variations, you guys are tricky. I know we're so tricky, we're so mean, (laughs) you know, do it just to mess with you. 
Um, yeah. So check him out on Instagram. He's got a ton of resources on his website, all related to fluency and, uh, check out his episode part one and then next time part three. Part three. All right. Well, thanks dad. Thank you. Good night. Good night. That's our show, everyone. Thanks for listening to SLP's Wine and Cheese. We have new episodes every week, so be sure to subscribe. Also, we'd appreciate if you'd like and review us on iTunes. If you love the show and want more bonus content, check us out at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com backslash SLP's Wine and Cheese.